they, they have a WWDC app um, for yeah, non-developers as well. So I think most people fall off after the keynote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though the really good stuff is after the keynote. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Montford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And you're listening to and or watching the Snob West Show, the show for Apple snobs where we talk all things Apple and then some. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of the Snob West Show, whether you are watching us on our YouTube channel or whether you're listening to us via your favorite podcast app. So this week, let's go ahead and jump into the show. We're going to start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. First up, big, big news coming out of Apple. Apple has officially announced WWDC for 2021. It will be all virtual and it will start June 7th um, through the 11th. Um, and again, this is the worldwide developer conference that Apple puts on every year. Um, this is the second year that it has been virtual due to the coronavirus. And, um, there are some big things expected to come out of this, um, WWDC, primarily new, um, software and mostly, um, iOS 15. Um, then you have your whole suite of OS upgrades, iPad OS, Mac OS, Watch OS, TV OS, um, those look to be the big front runners of, of topics this year. In addition to, um, I'm expecting to see, um, the new line of M1, uh, Apple Silicon Max, um, with the larger displays. We already have the 13 inch and, uh, the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro um, released, and I'm expecting, I think most people are, that the 14-inch and the 16-inch MacBook Pro will um, be announced during this conference, as well as it's likely that the Apple Glass, the AR VR um, headsets, could be announced as well. Um, again, uh, this is this conference is all virtual, um, the graphic came out and people are thinking that the Google Glass may kind of overshadow oh, everything. Oh, because if you look at the that. image inside mm. the glasses of the emoji, mm. you can okay. see a calendar icon. You can see a couple of other icons that are in the reflection of the glass. So it could be that these oh. items are in the glasses or it could be a reflection of the screen. We don't know because the title of the, the tagline of this year's conference is Glow and Behold. So I personally think it's Google, it's Apple Glass. Um, but you know how Apple likes to throw in their subtle little hints to kind, to kind of give you a clue of where things are going. But I think if they do announce Apple Glass, it might in all likelihood overshadow all of the other you know, things that come through with WWDC, including the keynote, including speakers, one-on-one um, sessions with Apple engineers, 
Um, so it'll be interesting um, to see. Last year's WWDC, which I mentioned was virtual, had about 22 million viewers. Um, and we know typically the conference is um, in uh, at Apple Park. And it's usually limited to the amount of people that can show up and can come because um, of the amount of interactions and, you know, the size of the campus as well. So showing, allowing, having this conference virtual, it opens it up to so many more people. So it should be interesting to see um, another year of virtual WWDC. Um, and what maybe the Apple team has learned from this whole year of having everything virtual, what types of new innovations they may come out with in presenting um, the content from the conference. So to you, Terrence, what are you um, looking forward to for WWDC? Do you think there are going to be any surprise announcements as far as hardware is concerned? Um, maybe not hardware. Uh, I think last year they came out with the developer kit, mm -hmm. which kind of first gave people the first glimpse of the M1 Max through mm -hmm. the uh, Mac Mini developer. Um, I guess they call it a developer kit, but mm -hmm. it included like a Mac Mini with the M1 processor. Um, I'm not sure if they'll do that again as far as release new hardware, but like like you mentioned with the Apple Glass that I did not that wasn't the first thought that came to my head with the picture, but I can very well see them announcing uh, Apple Glass and kind of giving us a high level overview of what they think it'll be able to do. I, I'm pretty sure we may not get what it'll actually look like, but if I were to bet on anything, that would probably be the highlight of WWDC is our first thought from Apple as to what they'll think it'll do, what they'll think it'll look like, because, you know, the, the image alone, you know, they wouldn't have did that for no reason. Right. <laughs> it's always innuendo behind any of the graphics that they release for, whether it's WWDC, whether it's for an Apple event, it's always some subtext uh, right. in what they present. And the only other thing I'm looking forward to is how Apple is going to make it easier uh, for us to live with the pandemic, you know, because I think everybody's kind of mentioned that even though the uh, vaccine is starting to be more mass produced, um, more people are eligible to receive it. Um, I think we're going to be living with it for quite some time, maybe even for the next two years. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of technology Apple creates, what sort of apps they develop, what sort of the apps that they you know, partner with maybe the government. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping the government, this current administration does a better job of integrating technology with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is apps, whether it be uh, uh, vaccination passport apps, whether it be, you know, um, easier ways to let people know what their vaccination status is, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely looking forward to Apple being more, in, not just Apple, Google, Microsoft, whomever. But since we're an Apple show, <laughs> we're going to talk Apple. I'm hoping that Apple, you know, really, really puts its foot in, you know, making it easier for us to live with this pandemic. And I, and I, to agree with that, we already have the health kit app on um, iOS devices and I can personally see that how it can be leveraged 
in its existing, you know, manner to, to help keep people informed and prepared to go out into this brave new world uh, um, of living with, with COVID still lingering around. So um, I'm interested um, to see what iOS 15, there's been some leaks already about um, what's going to be in iOS 15. There have already been some links as uh, some leaks as well and rumors as well about iPhone 13, about what it's going to encounter. But um, I'm of the mindset that if they are going to do a presentation on the Apple Glass, Glass product, that's probably really going to overshadow a lot of yeah. the the, the <laughs> other items that are are on the list because um, I think Google Google Glass they had something out and that didn't quite work um, and so since it's a mixed use headset meaning AR and VR um, if they can find a way to combine both of those things into one product that would be um, that would be pretty innovative instead of having two different headsets for your your virtual reality type of interactions with your gaming or I think we like like you mentioned before, you know, since we are in the pandemic, going to sporting events, concerts mm-hmm. virtually, but through these um glasses. Um and also, you know, instead of having to look at your phone for directions, have it pop up on a little screen on the Google Glass. So I'm really interested to see the type of progress that they've made with this Apple Glass, Apple Glasses to see, you know, where we really kind of go with this and, and what's on tap. So, yep. uh, so uh, the conference should be, uh, should be pretty fun. I know I got the email um, about registration. Um, uh, was it earlier this week, maybe? So um, I'm looking forward to attending some of the the sessions um, like I did last year. So right. pretty excited. You can let us regular folks know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, most a lot of people can watch previous and current WWDC um, sessions. You don't get access to everything, but you can see some of the sessions right. um, through. They, they have a WWDC app. Um for yeah. non-developers mo- as well, so I think most people fall off after the keynote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even though the really good stuff is after the keynote. All right. Uh, speaking of um, how Apple is going to handle this whole uh, COVID um, passport type of deal, there are a couple of different. Um, people, organizations, entities that are coming out with their own um, COVID passport as, you know, it's been nicknamed. Um, one of those places is the um, IATA, which is the International Transport Association, which is the association that governs um, the air traffic controlling system. Mm-hmm. Um, they announced that they are going to launch their own COVID passport for test results and vaccine certifications, um, for the iPhone, uh, mid April. So in 
about a couple of weeks. Um, originally, I think this was expected to happen the end of this month, but mm-hmm. they are still in the testing phase. And I think they're currently testing it um, with uh, the airline version Atlantic, and they are using the route of London to Barbados to test out the system since Barbados has agreed to accept the the um the um the passport Passport. which is in the uh which i would assume would be in the apple wallet or some Mm -hmm. sort of qr code uh, or, or something of that nature um so it looks like people are starting to think ahead on how this can be done um additionally um Speaking of Cuomo again, uh, we talked about Governor Cuomo in the Snobbish Show. You become a patron, you can get that type of content. Um, they, uh, the state of New York, has come up with their own um, uh, COVID passport called Excelsior Pass um, to use at venues in the state of New York um, through your your cell phone. Um, so it it seems as if. Uh, States, entities, because I think uh, Los Angeles County has their own version of of proving uh, COVID vaccinations um, through Apple Wallet. Um, so it seems like we have a hodgepodge of these different entities coming up with their own way to do things. Um, and like you mentioned, um, when we're talking about WWDC, how is this going to work if you have all these kind of one-off, you know, different entities doing their own thing? We probably need a global type of system or at least uh, a countrywide, how we all have our individual passports, but all passports around the country are the same. Are the same. They're right. just, you know, specific to your particular country, but they're all the same. So I don't know. Um, there hasn't seemed to be any type of standardization, standardization globally. Mm-hmm. Um, even, I mean, take it, even looking at the state, the different states in our country, how, you know, LA County has so one. It's not even, yeah, it's not even, it's not even California. It's LA County, um, New York. So, um, what I what I ho- hope is that is it it's not going to be a lot of rework because LA County has their thing, New York has their thing. Are they going to have to go back and rework what they already have because to fit into the new system? It's just it's just it's, a lot. It's, it's dumb. Yeah, is what it is. Just like the DMV, you got the DMV in one state, you got the Department of something else. It's all. But it's all just a license. But every state has their own license. Every state has their own license plate, which makes things more confusing for tracking, makes things confusing for keeping up with who has the current data. And it's going to be the same thing. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be the same thing with this pandemic. You know, you've got some states doing this with the pandemic, some states doing that with the pandemic. And the same is going to be the case for this Uh, passport. You're going to have Delta doing something different, Southwest doing something else, the International Air Transit Association is going to be doing something else, Apple is going to be doing their own thing, you know, the government is going to do their own thing, and it's just like, it shouldn't be that hard. You should be able to standardize 
the government should be able to put out a standardized uh, a set of requirements. Now, it's okay for um, Georgia to have their own COVID passport, for example. It's okay for um, uh, New York. But the, the, the information, the requirements for what should be in this passport should be the same. And it all should be able to easily integrate. Mm-hmm. There's only two brands. There's Apple and then there's Google, which is Android. Android. They should be able to, just like apps, come out with an Apple. All these different entities should be able to use the same standardized amount of information, the same requirements, and be able to roll that out into an app that is configurable to uh, the iPhone via Apple Wallet. I should mm-hmm. be able to add it to my Apple Wallet or show it as a QR code. Same thing with Android. And if, for whatever reason, there are people who don't have a smartphone, I should be able to uh, text the num text, you know, ID or text vaccination to a number, and it go up to the, the federal government. They should be able to look into their data, spit out a message that then a border patrol or a gate agent should be able to then get that information and mm-hmm. prove their status. Mm-hmm. I should not have to be trying to laminate. <laughs> I read a story to where you have to. They're asking people to laminate your vaccination card to take that with us. So that is. <laughs> We're in 2021. <laughs> and my thing is, what if I laminate it and I have to go back for a booster? You can't right. fill it. You got to give me a whole new card. Right, right. It, it should be a standardized re- requirement or whatever it looks like. Can whatever they not you- add that data to my driver's license or to my passport where I just swipe my driver's license or swipe my passport? Or show my Governments, United States, whatever they want to call it, added added to the Apple Wallet. I should be able to show it or scan it, and then boom, right. it's it is looking like that. All these different groups are going to have all these different ways to do things. We're gonna, and you're gonna end up with five apps mm-hmm. just to do one thing. Yeah, you got to show your pass. You got to show your different one to the international whatever. You got to show if you're a Delta fan, you got to you got to use theirs or you can't get on. If you go to Marriott. You got to use Marriott so you can't book a hotel. You know, if you go to Madison Square Garden, you got to show their own or you won't be able to get in. I should be able to get one thing, put it on my phone via the wallet app or via one app and then be able to show that. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. I doubt that's going to be the case because especially not initially. And my (laughs) thing is. Even if the United States was in a free for all with the previous administration, you know, we have the World Health Organization. We have these, the G8 Summit. We have all of these global connections. Were these guys not thinking about this? Or was it just, <laughs> oh, we're just in such reactionary mode. We're trying to get this under under control. But you could have your scientists over here working on, you know, getting figuring out the vaccine. You can have your other scientists over here Figuring out the infrastructure and how this is going to work. Right. Or outsource it to the tech companies. Outsource it to Apple and let Apple and Microsoft and Google and Amazon and Facebook all figure it out. Because this is a common goal. Right. This is not like, okay, well, how do we make money off the pandemic? Well, it shouldn't be. How do we make money off the pandemic? But it is. This is a pandemic, right? So all these companies, all these tech giants, all these travel, whatever the case may be, should be able to put their input and come up with one standardized way for us to be able to show proof of vaccination. 
and and be able to quickly show that information to whomever need to be. And it shouldn't have to be 50 million thousand apps to do one thing. Because we have the tech and we have the people who can build this. So it shouldn't be, but you know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we definitely uh, already, you know, know what it is. All right. Um, the next thing on the docket, um, I don't think we've really talked about it, um, on the show the last couple of weeks, but, um, all of the, um, the, what's going on with the AAPI community as it relates to, um, violence towards, um, people in that community, um, you know, them trying to find voices, you know, the news and, and media not being able to accurately um, address um, the issues uh, surrounding this community because it is so underrepresented. Um, and one of the things I think um, that has come out of this is the, the racial discrimination and the preconceived notions when it comes to um, Asians and Asian Americans and, um, uh, Pacific Islanders as well. Specifically, um, when it comes to, um, Asians, um, in, uh, Apple's iOS, they have the update coming out and it's going to block the word Asian from, um, from coming up in the, uh, search results when it comes to adult themes. So the Asian community is highly sexualized um, in, you know, society as a whole. And right now, when you type in Asian, it's coming up um, as a blocker or filter for adult content, which mm-hmm. essentially is making Asian synonymous with adult content rather mm-hmm. than Asian food, um, Asian designers, Asian countries. So um, the the screen time adult filter, um, which is currently on um, iOS, the current version, they are going to um, remediate that problem, um, meaning using the word Asian um, in the adult filters. So I just think it's one of those things that... Um, probably people in the Asian community has, has, you know, seen and, you know, tried to rally around, but for the public at large, it's not something that would be on, on the radar. And I just think with all of the, um, violence towards, um, Asian and Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, this is something that's kind of, you know, risen to the top of, oh, we should Probably not do this. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm mixed on this one, right? Uh, Apple is definitely being heavy handed by already having this blocker in place where anything you search up uh, with the word Asian in it automatically sends you to some sort of or give you some sort of notification that this site is restricted. Right. So definitely heavy handed. But like you said, unfortunately, America does over sexualize anything Asian uh, unfair, you know, uh, unfair to them. But I'm pretty sure they have data to prove 
that there are so many search, search results, so many websites and so many other resources that you can find on the Internet that unfair. Uh, it's unfair, but it does link, you know, Asian searches to some sort of adult content, adult content, which, again, um, that's not their fault. That's not the Asian community's fault. <laughs> it's not. It's society fault. at large. It's society's at fault. And then Apple is just, you know, trying to respond to, you know, reality as a whole. But as a result of that, you single out, you know, specific communities. And, you know, unfortunately, that's not the way to go. Mm-hmm. Being heavy handed is never the right way to go and try to blanket everything. Right. So like you mentioned, with iOS 14.5, when it comes out, you know, uh, it will no longer block searches containing the word Asian, which you would think it sounds so dumb. It like if I want to look so up dumb. Asian restaurants near me, you know, I'm going to get a filter would, alert. Right. <laughs> it should, it's got to be more, you know, Apple's smarter than that. Right. But again, you know, I mean, that's just, uh, I mean, case in point, the dude in, you know, uh, Georgia who killed all those people going to those Asian uh, parlors, Asian parlors. Tattoos because in his mind, he was punishing the people who were making him have these sexual thoughts. And he automatically associated, uh, associated his sexual his addiction with Asian, his addiction with Asian people. And again, uh, that's just almost on a, on a macro level, similar to what Apple is doing right here. It's just like, okay, well let's just, Let's just blanket and let's just block it everything easy. with Asian because yeah. it, it's not fair. No. And I do want to make sure we give credit to iOS developer Stephen Shin, S-H-E-N, as the um, developer who discovered this problem and reported it to Apple um, back, uh, it says, uh, around, at least around December of 2019. Um so he did, you know, see this, and that's why it's so important to have representation in the tech industry um, that is all-encompassing of the world that we live in. Because, like, I would have never thought that this would be an issue because, I mean, why would it? It, it doesn't make sense to me that this would even be something to even look for but again that's not my community so i wouldn't necessarily be aware that it was that like you said Mm -hmm. heavy-handed on the issue and this is just proof case in point you know everybody says oh you know software technology can be racist yes it can because we create it and we create it with our own biases Biases. into it so this is prime example of that proven that point where you just can't build something based off of one worldview. Right. And based on uh, Mashable, um, the article that we're we're reading from is actually from Engadget, but um, Mashable said that when they installed the uh, 14.5 iOS beta beta. version, Uh they were able to successfully search for terms that included Asian, mm. Asian food, Asian actors, Asian art. I mean, just the thought of trying to look up an Asian actor that mm. would get you blocked or Asian food would get you, you know, some sort of adult content warning mm-hmm. is, 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 is really pretty wild. But, um, on the flip side, um, if we have to take something positive from all of the devastation that has, 
you know, happened here in Atlanta with the uh, mass murder of the, the, the mostly Asian women at the Asian, uh, massage parlors here. Um, I think there was something recently this week, um, of Asian hate, um, a, a man attacked, um, uh, an Asian, um, elderly person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it all kind of brings it together that mm-hmm. we have to keep, we can't be so close in our own circle that we miss broader things. And it's mm-hmm. just showing, it's just having some compassion or taking our blinders off from what, you know, impacts us directly to, you know, try and see things a little bit differently from someone else's perspective. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that technology is is catching up and hopefully, you know, it will further diversify and make sure that no one particular group is singled out for something like this. Mm-hmm. All right. The last thing that we have in um, the lowdown this week um, is that uh, Apple is building um, a battery-based solar energy um, facility in California. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up, we've talked about the Apple car Mm-hmm. Um, multiple times and we were trying to figure out how would Apple manufacture the cars here, manufacture them somewhere else. And it looks like to me on the surface level that if they are going to have this uh, battery-based uh, renewable energy type of facility in California, that some of the Apple cars um, parts or maybe in whole um, will be... Um, built right here in the United States. Yep. Yep. And, you know, just, just to, um, further Apple's green initiative, you know, the fact that they will be able to, it's just like, a, uh, almost like proof positive that if you can, if you can, if Apple can build a battery powered, a battery storage facility, that takes energy from solar power and stores it in these batteries that then sends it to Apple's facilities. And if Apple can power its own facilities off of renewable uh, uh, energy, then that's nothing for other companies to do it or remove the, the excuse Mm -hmm. for companies not to do it. You know, you just have to have the, innovation which companies swear up and down they have Mm -hmm. you see all these commercials where we're doing all this innovation on this but you never really see anything but it's just like fodder for our commercial but Mm -hmm. apple to actually do it then of course competition is always good for the consumer soon you'll have tesla i mean well tesla's already kind of doing it but soon you'll have other um manufacturers doing it uh, microsoft doing it and like you mentioned if apple then turns around and builds a car then you know they're already building those building blocks for for in preparation to, for it. Yeah, yeah, and again to make other companies follow suit. Yeah, you know, so all these companies that swear up and down they can't do it; it costs too much. You know, whatever the case may be, you know, Apple's just removing all those excuses. Right, and this particular project, um, it says from the article we're reading from Reuters, um, the project will store 240 megawatts uh, megawatt hours of energy or enough power 
for more than 7,000 homes for one day. So mm-hmm. they'll be storing up energy that can power 7,000 homes for a full day. Um, and this will be located um, in California's flat solar installation, which is in Monterey, Cali- Monterey County. I mean, my West Coast folks, I'm sure you'll know the locations of all things. I have no idea. Um, mm-hmm. But they say it's about 100 miles southeast of uh the um, Cupertino headquarters. So it's really, really close to um, Apple Park. So it goes into line with what you're saying. If they can power Apple Park from that, then that, you know, sends a signal to many other companies that say, yeah, Apple's done it. So, so you can do it as well. Mm -hmm. And it's all clean energy, solar and wind. So it's reducing, you know, Apple's carbon footprint, which they've been, you know, on um, task to do every Apple event. They talk about how their devices are um, carbon neutral and reducing the carbon footprint. So it's just another um, level of, of them, you know, truly saying, you know, we care about our planet. We want to do what we can to to reduce the the waste. And also we may be able to use this for the Apple car that we're building as well. Mm-hmm. All right, that is it for the lowdown. Let's head on over to Second Stream, where we talk all other tech. I wanted to start off with this um, article this week. Um, I know it's been getting a lot of pushback back and forth, um, but uh, President Biden has um, announced a $2 trillion infrastructure plan. Um, And essentially, one of the key components of this plan is to provide um, broadband access for every American. And if, you know, we think about how the infrastructure in this company is, I mean, not in company, in this country is, it's all scattered. There's no centralized really way to modernize the way the infrastructure is in this country. As we mentioned before, you know, everybody has like a little piece. We talked about driver's license. Every state has their own version, license plates that have their own version. All of that still goes, that can be related to infrastructure as well, where you have these different pieces. We talked about it and we saw it with the big snowstorm in California, how it affected some parts of Texas more than others. It completely devastated some parts of Texas and some parts of Texas weren't even affected at all. Um, but for this particular, um, initiative, the package, um, will cost $2 trillion over eight years, and it will include money, um, for uh, a range of projects, including improving and maintaining roads, bridges, and waterways, um, to spending a hundred billion over the next eight years to deploy broadband throughout rural America. And we've talked about it before on our show, the great digital divide, you know, the have and the have nots, who has access to, um, to internet. And, um, we've seen it even more now that everybody's pretty much at home and we're doing a whole pile of homeschooling and, um, virtual learning who has the access to, the, the internet and the high speed nature of it to, to do schoolwork. So it looks like he's trying to bring together the pieces so that this will not be an issue going forward. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, you know, it's almost like we can't survive without yeah. broadband nowadays. You know, like you mentioned, you know, kids as a result of the pandemic, 
you know, more kids are stuck at home doing homeschooling, virtual learning, and, you know, not having access to broadband just makes it already kids are struggling to learn. And then you add technology on top of that and not having a solid uh, a digital connection. That could be even just more frustrating to where even more kids and parents, you know, would even further just give up, you know. So being able to have uh, making broadband more available and reduce the cost for low in- income individuals, you know, which a lot of the community uh, that are low income, you know, come from African-American community, you know, it's just a, it's just a benefit for everybody. Right? Yeah. And, so, and the weird, the interesting thing is um, in the article that we're reading, um, the white house said, quote, broadband internet is the new electricity and mm-hmm. it couldn't be summed up any better than that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So again, like I said, it's just good. We have got administration as, you know, forward looking, yeah. You know, because this is an issue, you know, this is not, you know, just props to, you know, uh, a Biden. I mean, it's 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 almost like we're giving him props, but almost this is like you got to do this. It's, <laughs> it's basic. With, it's we can't, basic. We can't live without broadband. So yay for them for doing it. But I mean, we can't we can't be without it nowadays. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's just, you know, people are willing to. This administration is willing to get the money uh, and provide the funds to do well, it. So yeah, what they—that's going to be the argument, you know, the, how they raise the money. So yeah. we can already see that, yeah, being an issue. Yeah, but that's for a whole nother podcast, a whole nother <laughs> conversation. And again, right. you know, I think it's just in the nature of the climate that we're in, you know pushing back from the other side of the aisle saying this is wrong, this is bad, we can do better, we can do better without offering up any other alternate solutions other than the fact that we don't want it because they they did it. So no answer is indeed an answer. <laughs> indeed. All right. Um the next thing. So Google has this experimental app um that allows you to scan and categorize your documents. Um, in making life a little bit easier for for all of us, um, they are using um, AI to to sort through uh, the various uh, receipts, bills mm-hmm. um, in your phone. Um, the app um, itself is called Stack, mm-hmm. um, and it's using uh, Google's um, enterprise grade uh, technology. Um, it looks like it's called Doc AI, which analyzes and categorizes your documents intelligently. So it's not necessarily, you know, you having to really, you know, move Do things anything. over, <laughs> or search through it. This, Create folders. And- right. It seems as if this app will will do that for you. Um, and again, I think it's just one of the ways that we are using technology to make our lives simpler. Of course, it always mm-hmm. introduces in other aspects, but on the surface, the idea that this app can, you know, make things a little bit easier, especially for small business owners, um, independent um, contractors, creators, um, mm-hmm. it can make you know, your life a lot easier if you're, you know, a one woman or one man or small team show. Right. And, you know, most of those one man, you know, wears many hats, you know, one woman show, you know, a lot of them use their mobile device 
you know, on a regular basis as their business. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's good that technology is coming out like this that makes it easier for people to run their businesses or to run their households on their mobile devices. I'm kind of side eye and affected is Google doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and currently so, it's only available um, on Android. So you can't get it on well, any. Well, not just that, devices. not just that. Uh, two, two reasons. Google the and data. Is, uh, a Google and data. That's number one, right? Because they are notorious for figuring out how to get our data to do other things. I haven't done the mental gymnastics to figure out how they could use this to sell us ads, but I'm pretty sure they know, number one. Yeah. Number two, Google is notorious for coming up with some great technology and being like, yeah, we off that. We ain't doing that no more. So I could see a business using Stack as a core essential way to run their business. And then in two years from now, Google is like, Yeah, we're closing that down. Uh, We're in sort of ADHD. We found something better to play with. So we're going to go do that now. But, you know, I am am hopeful that, you know, this will spur other companies maybe to come up with something similar to then, you know, roll out to where it does make it easy. Because this is definitely something like this is a godsend for me because Mm -hmm. I am, uh, we talked about it earlier in the show, my consistency sucks, but... (laughs) I do try to force myself and my family to where when we get important documents to, you know, I've, I've got <laughs> repeatedly tell my wife, look, you got to scan it and you got to put it in this document and you got to put it on this server and you got to make sure you're connected to this. All our fed, the way our family, you know, organizational structure is set up, it is super techie and I'm the only one in the family who that knows, knows how to make it work. work it, right? Yeah. And, Every time she wants to, my wife goes to scan something, she's got to listen to me preach about this crazy setup that I got that lets us scan our tax documents. But for something like this, it would make that a whole lot easier. Again, like I said, I wish somebody else pick up the mantle other than Google so it can (laughs) last longer than two years. Well, the thing is, the apparently Google has their own internal startup incubator. I mean, okay, an incubator a startup incubator within a fang company is kind of mind blowing, but it's called area 120, which came up with this, um, this app. So, you know, hopefully there's, um, another startup out there that's willing to take this on if they haven't already and, um, you know, really pull it together and, you know, run it or maybe sell it to a larger scale company to kind of keep this going. Um, because as you mentioned, we know, um, that Google's focus can be easily, um, diverted to, to something else. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Slack, uh, we've been talking about Slack quite a bit lately. Um, but Slack is now adding a clubhouse like feature to Slack. And the interesting thing of this is, the CEO of Slack announced this on Clubhouse <laughs> with the Clubhouse CEO. So I was like, uh, petty or hella confident. I'm not sure which one it is, but the fact that you are on someone else's platform and you're basically taking their idea and mm-hmm. building it out on your own um, platform and telling them they're doing it 
mm-hmm. while in the platform, I was like, oh, all right. Uh, well, okay. well, you could look at this as uh, Clubhouse really, like, really trying to make sure uh, that they get their exit pretty quick because this, I could see, I could see uh, Slack buying Clubhouse <laughs> mm-hmm. and quickly integrating it into their own technology because Clubhouse is first, right? Yeah. So everybody's going to, regardless of what Twitter's doing, regardless of what Facebook is trying, regardless of what Slack announces, everybody's going to remember Clubhouse. So that just gives them that cachet to where they say, sure, you can partner to us. You can announce your little, you know, how, how, how the sister said, you can announce your little thing. Your little, your little, our, your little app. Your little, your little <laughs> app on our, <laughs> on our platform. Just when y'all need them data and y'all need the users and we've got a ton of users, just bring, just back, just back the money truck up and let us dump it out and you could have it. All right. Because <laughs> I know I've actually um, been in one of the Twitter spaces. Um, I've, I've, I've had the beta for quite a while and I never joined one, but there is a, essentially a tech talk, um, mm-hmm. Twitter spaces that happens every Thursday around eight, I think. And I joined this past week and I have clubhouse. I've had it for a while, but I've never used it. I never listened to anything on it. I mean, I hadn't done anything with it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just know from using the one on Twitter, it was surprisingly an easy process and it was surprisingly a really good conversation. Um, you know, you can switch to speaker, uh, whoever the moderator is, they let you in, you say your business or say your part, and then you can revert back to a listener. So you mm-hmm. don't have to stay on the quote unquote virtual stage if you don't have to. And, you know, for me, I stepped on the stage a couple of times and, you know, toggling back and forth was quite easy. And the experience itself um, wasn't bad at all, which kind of leads me to maybe want to check out one of the clubhouse rooms. But I just hear it's so chaotic over there and it wasn't chaotic at all on the Twitter spaces, but it could be the people who are running it. But um, I can definitely see this audio feature going across pretty much all the social platforms we yeah. see we've, we've seen it at twitter we know it's coming to um facebook and instagram and now to slack i can see it easily going over to linkedin um so i think it's one of those things where like you said clubhouse was first um they did come up with this you know concept so to speak but i mean all of these other tech companies, most of them are fame companies, they um, have the the technology, they have the resources to build their own rather than, you know, use, you know, Clubhouse itself. They can easily build out their own and and, and ramp it up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Or, like I said, just buy Clubhouse. Yeah. So, again, that goes why, back to why Clubhouse, in my opinion, didn't have no problem letting Slack announce what they're doing on their platform because it's like, look, you can try, but eventually just let us know when you're ready to buy us and we'll gladly. We will hand it over for the right amount of money. Billions of dollars. I can see the clubhouse people making billions of dollars mm-hmm. on something as simple as a voice a feature. Conference call. Yeah. A conference call. That's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. Voice chats. Um, yeah. Also in this article, um, 
in addition to adding a clubhouse like feature, Slack is also going to add stories, possibly. But I don't, I don't really like stories. I've never looked at a Twitter fleet because it's too much. I think I may have accidentally looked at a, a Facebook story, um, but it's not something that I go for. I use it more on Instagram. But for the and even other there, ones, even on Instagram, there's Instagram feed, there's Instagram stories, and then there's the Instagram. Um, what's the thing all the kids are doing now? The TikTok, TikTok. Uh, thing. What it, I forget what it's called on Instagram. The reels, reels. Is what they call yeah. it on Instagram. That's three different ways to share content, right? Well, a lot but of times, no... most people put it on their feed. Right, and that's and that's what I'm saying. There's no clear differentiation between what format is supposed to be used for what. Is my actual feed just general information versus the story? Is personal information about my daily life versus reels? Is like quick information, informational type? But you can see people using it for everything, yeah. which I think is going to be the problem. I think whatever company whether it be instagram facebook slack clubhouse whatever the case may be however we go forward i think it needs to be a better determination for what belongs in what what belongs in what and i just slack is already to me it's so convoluted i mean switching through the different channels and i was not a fan of the slack there are apparently people who love it and maybe it's just because they use it corporately. But when I was using it, I'm like, this is way too much. I don't have time to be flipping through channels because, you know, on Instagram, you just scroll. On Twitter, you just scroll. On Facebook, you just scroll. On LinkedIn, you just scroll. With Slack, you have to change channels to see what's going on in that. And then, God forbid, you off for a day, you've missed. And all, every single, single channel has its own notification. You got to set your notifications for each individual Ooh, channel. And it's a lot. This and everyone. And yeah, yeah. They to me, it's it. a lot. I can't do it. Yeah. In general, for all of these social um, platforms, you know, there needs to be a better determination of what goes where. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. So, uh, needless to say, I'm not a fan, but to the people who are go team. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of buying out, uh, Microsoft is in talks to buy Discord for more than $10 billion. So, I mean, hey, Clubhouse, you may want to jingle your little, your, your app to the big boys and get some mm-hmm. of this money because clearly it is out there. Um, we have a Discord um, channel uh, chat for the show. Um, a lot of gamers use uh, Discord. Um, it's it's heavily in in the culture, and it seems as if uh, Microsoft is ready to say, you know, we want to put a ring on it and um, and and take it off your hands for about ten billion dollars. Right, because they need to get the young kids. Ain't nobody on LinkedIn. <laughs> I mean, people are. Ain't nobody using Teams for no social interactions. It's all corporate-based. Exactly. And and LinkedIn is an extension of that, right? Right. You know, you've got people jockeying for a position on who's the thought leader or the social uh, matter expert in X, Y, and Z. These young kids don't care about that. So Microsoft 
is trying to figure out how they get a slice of these Instagram, the, the young folks who are on Instagram, who are even to a certain extent on Slack. And like, all right, we need to get them. Where do we get them from? Discord, right? Which Discord to me is nothing but message boards mm-hmm. and message forums for, you know, 20, you know, for, you know, gamers and things like that, because you can similar to Slack. Now say it's in can, the same vein as Slack. But, you know, you can, to me, you can better categorize different interests yeah. on Discord because you can, within our community, just for us, you know, snobbish community, we can break it off into Apple news where all we talk about is Apple. You can make another channel for, you know, uh, pandemic. Since we talk about the pandemic or not, we can have a totally different, you know, section just for the pandemic, which is similar to like the message boards mm-hmm. of like the 2002s, 2004s, on up to like 2008 before Twitter came out and blew that all out the water, right? So, you know, but again, um, that's what all the young kids are doing. It. Like you mentioned, for the gamers, one thing I figured out, you know, I'm a sneakerhead, and I thought to myself one day, it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm tired of <laughs> taking L's, is what they call them, on trying to get certain shoes. The new kicks. Right? Right. So what these young kids are doing is they're creating bots and they use these bots to flood these websites to order all these shoes that then to turn around and resell them. Well, what they're doing is they are sharing all of the information on Discord. So they'll come up with a Discord server and they'll give up all the information that you need to create a bot. They'll give you all the information that you need to run it properly. They'll give you all the information on the new releases and they'll give you all the information you need to set up your bot properly in order to get these pairs and they're doing all via discord. So, you know, it's just so kind of like the Reddit for Gen Z and Gen ba- Alpha. Uh-huh, basically, that's, that's basically what it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was like, I know that there's Gen Z, but I don't know what the other ones are. <laughs> like, I don't know. My nephew's nine. I don't know what he is. I have a niece who's one. I don't know what she is. I don't. I don't know what the kids are doing, but but these young kids are on Discord. They are on it, like they're on on YouTube. They mm-hmm. are on Discord, like nobody's business. So, yeah. all right, um, that is it for second string. We are going to head on over into for the culture, where we talk about relevant topics uh, to us. Um, whether it be technology-based, socially-based, or um, culturally-based. Or Jim Crow-based. <laughs> As in this week. Uh, hello and welcome to the Jim Crow era 2.0. Um, and uh, all of this really stems from uh, the 2020 election uh, defeat of Donald Trump. Um, all of these Republican-led states are trying to um, appease the rabid fans of Donald Trump. And in one of the ways that they are doing that is through um, voter suppression laws. And um, here in the state of Georgia, the the current governor, Brian Kemp, just signed uh, SB 202, which is a sweeping bill that essentially overhauls the way that voting and elections are handled here in the state of Georgia. And while um, this particular bill that we're going to talk about affects Georgia um, and we are in the South, 
There are other about, I think it's about 20 some odd other states who have these um, other the bills similar to this um, mm-hmm. that have Republican led um, state houses who either have laws on the books already or have bills that are in their current legislative um, session. So the bill was signed last week um, by um, Brian Kemp and the Republican-led State Senate and State House of Representatives, uh, uh, the Lieutenant Governor, the Governor, the Secretary of State, most of the um, elected officials on the upper state level are Republican base. We have the Republican majority in um, the state house, as well as in, um, well, in the state house on both sides, the, the state representative side and on the state Senate side. So this bill was backed by some heavy hitters um, who are Georgia-based companies, Delta, Coca-Cola, Home Depot, to name a few, that were on the list of supporting this bill. And um, what this bill does, um, a couple of things um, I'll outline um, that are covered in this bill, and we'll include the link to the show notes. Um, Vox has a great article that pretty much breaks it down of Mm -hmm. what all the bill includes. Um, But one thing that has been getting a lot of press is that it is a now it is now based on this bill it is law that it is a criminal offense to give food and or drinks to individuals standing in line to vote um the secretary of state is no longer the head of the state election board that, that's the important part. Right yes, here. that is now appointed by the legislature. And I just mentioned that it both sides of the legislature in Georgia are both Republican held. The uh, it has five seats. Um, three originally were elected by the legislature. Now, um, the other two seats, um, the chairman of the board and another seat um, are all now appointed can be are appointed by the the state house um so essentially the state election board can overturn any voting results that they don't necessarily like because they can determine which votes can be disqualified and if you'll remember um during the election in which um joe biden won the state of georgia by 11 some thousand votes Trump was on with uh, Raffensperger and his office saying, you know, we need to find those votes plus one. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular um, article of the bill essentially gives them that privilege now. Uh, in the runoff um, elections, the period of the runoff time has now shrunk down. Um, they ha- can remove ballot boxes and they can now place, before in Georgia, you had external ballot boxes. So you could drive up to, say, your local library, library and drop in your ballot box. Now the ballot boxes have to be moved indoors. So mm-hmm. if the building where you would drop your ballot off is closed, you can no longer access the ballot box to drop it. Um, or just make it more inconvenient. Yeah, make it more inconvenient for I got to stand in line. I got to go through all the process, which is completely defeats the purpose of a ballot box in the first place. Right. 
you know. Yeah. So I mean, so all that all that uh, equals up to they are making it harder for people to vote when they were the ones who came up mm-hmm. with the the rules that they're overturning. When it benefited the in the state of Georgia, at least the Republican Party, it was fine. But we mm-hmm. had an overwhelming amount of voters in the state of Georgia who voted via absentee ballot, which mm-hmm. was before this law was no excuse. You did you could just request the ballot box. Now you have to have an excuse to request an absentee ballot. And additionally, you have to send in, there are new ID requirements as mm-hmm. it relates to sending in your um, ballot. So if you remember back during this whole challenge situation, they felt that they weren't able to do a, a signature verification on your driver's license with your ballot. And what that does is if you have my driver's license, you can tell which area I live in and you can make an educated guess mm-hmm. of what I am more likely to vote. Mm-hmm. And so, so if I do, yep. oh, we need to do signature verification against the driver's license. Oh, well, this looks like a person who might be in Fulton County that might vote for the yeah, other side. Buddy. This vote's disqualified. Uh-huh. The, the, the yep. driver's license signatures don't match. Throw it out. And so all of this really is speculative, right? It's speculative that they could do this. It's speculative. We're assuming, you know, it's a good educated guess that they can do that. The Republican led uh, specifically in our state of Georgia could do all of this. Right. But it's almost like. Why are they making it harder for people to vote when in 2021 we should be making it easier for people to vote. People should be able to vote on Saturdays. People should be able to uh, vote via their mobile devices or online. And, you know, the fact that they're trying to go backwards clearly points to they want to, one, make it harder for people to vote. Two, specifically, they want to make it harder for low income uh, people with less access, people who traditionally don't vote Republican. They want to make it harder for them to vote. And then number three, it's just it just points out to, you know, if you can't beat them, change the rules. And that's not how our government works. Sure, well, that's not how it's supposed to work. That's not how it's supposed to work. Right. You that you make the point, you know, uh, the fact that they're doing this is just flies in the face of, OK, well, let's how can we make it more advantageous for people to vote our way? No, let's not think about that. Let's figure out how to make it harder for them to vote their way. That's not how government that's not how government is supposed to work. And the fact that they're doing this, it just takes it back to, like I said, Jim Crow, because that's how they excluded a lot of African-Americans specifically, but just people from low income just to just to discourage them from voting. If this something as simple as making it a felony for people to uh, pass out food, you know, that just. It just is going to discourage people. You know, there may be it, the ideal is to discourage people. Mm-hmm. But what I'm hoping is going to happen is, again, enough people get angry at this. And we'll rebel. People, and, and we'll rebel and then vote in greater turnout, which this may be the demise or may backfire mm-hmm. for the people who actually put these changes in place because people are going to be so upset that they're going to come out and vote in larger numbers, regardless or in spite of 
all these new laws that they put in place. And then will be interesting to see how they react to their own rules mm-hmm. that they put in place that end up being their demise. So I'm definitely while while I'm disgusted at this, I'm halfway like, yeah, I can't wait to see what the excuse is going to be next when, time. Next time when Kemp loses his if Kemp loses his seat, when uh, Georgia becomes a Democratic led state, you know, it, it'll be definitely be interesting because, you know, as much as we like to get on Democrats for not having the balls to actually fight fair uh, or not fight fair, you know, fight against something like this. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if Georgia really turns blue, not just for the presidential election, but the actual state itself. It'll be interesting to see the new Democrats in power, you know, how they react to these laws that then the, gov- the Republicans put in place to clearly suppress the vote. Disenfranchise clear, people. Yeah. I mean, clearly they're trying to suppress the vote. There's Obviously. no explanation. Even Stephen Wonder can see this. Right. There's no explanation yeah. that Republicans can come up with outside of we call the shots so we get to make the rules to legitimize these rules. Right. Because at the same time, you know, I hope it backfires. And we do have a bit of precedence that alludes to that because these voter suppression laws aren't anything new. Um, if you will see in the last election, not just in the presidential election, but in the primary and some of the earlier um, uh, voting um, uh, contests, the lines were longer in typically black and brown neighborhoods and typically Democratic, Demer, uh, Democratic-led Democratic um, uh, areas. The lines were significantly longer. They had less machines. They had issues with machines. And people still stood in line to vote. I just think this is just going to be another layer of defiance from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people in this state because it's, Again, it's obvious, you know, it's obvious what they're doing. It's obvious what it is. And a lot of these companies that I mentioned um, initially um, that support this bill, they're now backtracking because Mm -hmm. not only is it coming from inside the state, but around the country, people, there were calls to boycott the state. And then people in the state were like, whoa, 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 don't boycott the state because (laughs) people live here. Boycott the businesses that support this and are providing the money to it. So Delta came out with a new statement today. They had one statement that was pretty lame. So now they've pretty much come out and, okay, let's be crystal clear what we mean. Um, You know, the film industry, because all of your favorite Marvel films are pretty much shot here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty much any film, major blockbuster film that you've seen, it was filmed here in the state of Georgia because of the tax credits that it Mm -hmm. provides. Um, so people are now starting up talking about boycotting businesses, um, the the industry, the different uh, entertainment film uh, industries all around. And it's pretty much putting a stain on the state while the leadership doesn't really care about that because all they care about is being racist. The companies who who have to do business here and are based here, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's kind of change it up a little bit because... This is now costing us money. Right. And I just did a quick Google uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution. Uh, Delta Airlines CEO Ed Bastian said in a memo to employees Wednesday, which is what today? Today. Yeah. Uh, that the law is unacceptable and based on a lie 
of widespread fraud in last November's election. Hours later, hours later, Coca-Cola CEO <laughs> also pronounced the measure unacceptable, which on its face is fine. But that's not <laughs> that's not the what memo. they said uh, at the beginning of the week. That's not what you said beginning of the week. That's not what you said last week. Now, I actually looked at the first statement and I could see what they were trying to say. Thread the needle. They were they were trying to right. They were trying to the point that they were making was, you know, we worked hard to make sure that while this bill isn't perfect, we worked hard to get this thing put in that does this, this thing put in that does that, this put thing in that does that. And overall, we'll continue to work hard with the government to do X, Y, and Z. That was the statement in and of itself. Now, if you look at that, you could be like, you could, you could give them some love, right? But then all of this avalanche of boycott and hate and, and all this that stuff. It's on every national news program. It's on everybody's Twitter feed. It's trending. They're like, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Now they say it's unacceptable. And my point is, again, why does it take this all of this negativity and all of this focus for these companies, for these businesses, for these governments to do the right thing the first time. Just do it right why the do, first time. <laughs> just do it right the first time. I don't understand why they have to come out with this. Oh, this is unacceptable. You could have said that first. Yeah. You could have said that first. Save yourself some grief. And then said, well, it is what it is. We find this un- unacceptable. This is this is foul. But we're going to work harder to make sure. You could have said that first. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you're backtracking means that you are... You, you knew there was an issue with it the first place and you tried to thread the needle instead of taking a stand and doing what's right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And another layer to this is uh, Representative Park Cannon. She's a state representative uh, right here uh, in Georgia in the Metro Atlanta area. She was arrested and charged with two felonies. What was her crime? Knocking on the chamber door where the bill was being signed. So the bill was signed uh, in a closed door meeting with Governor Kemp Mm -hmm. and some of his lackeys, for lack of a better term. (laughs) Um, And and if you saw, I've seen some memes about it. Um, If you look at the actual image, they're in suits. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're sitting in front of this big painting mm-hmm. of a plantation. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, some people, of course, photoshopped it with the clan hoods on it. Because, yeah. I mean, it's it really is. Imagery. You, yeah. it, the imagery is there. It really is Jim Crow without the clan. Um, it's Jim Crow in suits. Mm-hmm. They don't have their clan hoods on. They're not burning a cross. But what they're doing basically surmounts to that. Right. And of course, the reason uh, I read a story about the reason why the officers arrested her in the first place is because, according to them, Mm. they were concerned that uh, the other protesters were going to start and, I don't know, rush the state capitol. It was going to be a replay of. Yeah. Reminiscent of the uh, insurrection at the uh, federal capitol building and (laughs) nowhere in any of those pictures, any of those videos, was there anybody else? There was nobody else there. It was a lone congressman who had the right to be in the building because she right. is a representative. Mm-hmm. This black lady in a suit mm-hmm. knocking on the door. 
But, you know, it wasn't an insurrection, though. Right. According just, to them. It right. was patriots going into a building to to request their government to, to hear them out. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just clear, like you said, you know, that micro, you know, aggression, that, you know, one instance, you know, you add it all up, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it, the, the, the purpose is clear as to why they want to do something like this. Because yeah. I think uh, Georgia flipping blue for the presidency probably scared a lot of them. And the Senate as well. So and, we took right. three and, national and Senate, races. Right. It scared them and they kind of foresaw things to come. So there's like, you know, let's move the goalpost. And also, in addition to, you know, the loss, the the wins from the presidency and the Senate, it's all this is based on the big lie mm-hmm. that somehow this election was stolen, even though during the time that all this was being challenged, both the governor and the secretary of state said that this was the most secure election history. So if it was the most secure election history, why do you need all of these things? And what it boils down to is being a way to show the sycophants that follow Donald Trump that see, you know, showing to them, proving it's a way that it seems to me it's a way of them being able to prove that it, it'll be fair but it'll right. only and, be and fair not, in the way that we want it. And not just that, they jobs wasn't on the line then. They jobs are on the line now. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, wait a minute now. And you mean tell me in two years they may do the same thing to me that they did to uh Trump and his his and two senators. It's whoa, gonna whoa, be my buddy. Let me let me change this right quick. So I think that's another reason too. It's easy for Raffensburger, it's easy for Kemp to say this was the most secure election because they, they butts were on the line. Yeah. Now they butts are on the line. Let's move this goalpost back a little bit. And the state senators <laughs> who are up for re-election, mm-hmm. the state representatives that are up for re-election, all these yeah. elected, these statewide elected uh, uh, jobs, they're up mm-hmm. for grabs and they're yeah. like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. We may, because people say, oh, we're purple. I don't think we're purple. I still think we're firmly red because mm-hmm. the state, um, the state and the local um, elected officials are still very mm-hmm. much Republican. Nationally, sure, you can say we're blue or purple, but for the day-to-day, everyday lives of the citizens of the state of Georgia, it's it's very red. And, and again, it goes back to instead of uh, the Republicans making their party, making their beliefs, their stances more appealing to the broader uh, populace, just which cheap. is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Let's just go ahead and change the laws, which again flies in the face of what our government's supposed to be in the first place. And it flies in the face of democracy. Mm-hmm. Point blank. Period. Yep. All right. That is it for For the Culture. Um, let's head on over to the hookup. I actually have a hookup for this week. I'm so Uh-oh. proud of myself. Okay. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have one. Uh, so it came about on Twitter um, someone was talking about how their screen time came up and how they wished it was a way that, um, you know, they could, you know, set their apps to, to not, um, so that they wouldn't be on their apps all the time mm-hmm. and built into, uh, this iOS version, there is a way that you can do that. Um, so you can set a, a time limit limit for specific apps or for, Category. So you go to settings, screen time, and app 
limits and then you click the add limit button. And this is where you can customize it a bit. You can select a particular app or you can select an app category. So say if you want to do socials, you want to you know limit your time on your social media. If you want to do all of your social media apps, you just click on the, the socials or you can expand it out and say, okay, I only want to spend a certain amount of time on Twitter. So then what you do, you can select the time limit. You can say, I'm only going to spend two hours a day on Twitter every day. You go in and you make those selections and you press the add button. And what this does is it changes your icon to, it, it grays it out and it puts a little like hourglass icon next to it. So if you say, I'm only going to be on Twitter an hour a day, you, 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 you reach your, your hour, you open up your app, you open up the app and it'll say, Hey girl, you have used up all of your time. Of course you can bypass that and say, you know, ignore or whatever the case may be, but it is a way for you to at least be cognizant of when you're going into the app and when you're going into it over the time that you've allotted yourself. So just yeah. a way to kind of keep you on schedule, keep those numbers down when you get your screen time report uh, at the end of every week. Um, just a way to kind of keep you focused and, and off the social medias, especially, particularly for me, this week has been a lot when it, you know, we have the, the voter suppression stuff, we have the Derek Chauvin trial going on. Um, there was another like domestic violence uh, elevator situation with uh, two popular rappers. And it's just things that I was like, this is way too much. I do not need to see any of this. It's mm -hmm. just a way to kind of shift your focus because personally, there are some other things that I need to be doing mm -hmm. um, outside of just scrolling the timeline and getting my giggles on or whatever. Um, it's just a way to kind of say, okay, let's get you some focus, girl, and get you you know, on track to do some of the other things that you have on your list you want to get done. Right. I mean, again, you know, it's a good tip, but it all depends on when the limit comes up. Will you heed <laughs> the warning mm -hmm. that you can no longer be using whatever app? You know, you still can go in and uh, over overwrite that. But mm -hmm. again, this only only is beneficial if you have some you get the, Right. <laughs> if, if you have the the ability to say, you're right, let me get off this app, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta heed it and then pay attention to it in order for it to work pro properly. Yeah. And I mean, you can kind of start, even if you, you hit your time limit and you hit the ignore and go into the app, at least is it's starting to get into your mind that, oh, I've been over my time. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bypass this so I can still go scroll. But you know, the mind is starting to say, okay. I'm bypassing my shame all the time. The shame is there. Yeah. Shame <laughs> yourself. Shame, right. shame. So, so yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, pretty helpful. Um, because I know I, I think there's, um, there's a similar, um, web app. I think it's called, oh, shoot, is it self focus or something like that where you can do this for apps, uh, on, on your desktop. So, um, yeah, I found it. I think Cheska Lee posted about it. Um, and I kind of bookmarked the, um, the, yeah, it's called self-control. It's, um, a free Mac app that, um, helps you to avoid, uh, distracting websites. 
So um, it's an app you can download to kind of, if you're not on your phone, but on your actual laptop or desktop or whatever uh, computing device you're using, it's a way that you can kind of start to help with the distractions because we do have so many distractions, especially since we're mostly at home and, um, you know, can easily lose focus. Right. All right. Did you have any other thing you want to add for the hookup? Nope. That's it. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Definitely download, rate, and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also hit us up on the social media apps, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at SnobOSCast everywhere. Also, please watch us on our YouTube channel at SnobOSCast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel so that you'll get the notifications when we go live or when there is new content available. Also, if you want to leave us any types of comments or suggestions on show topics or anything you want to hear about or any comment on what we've discussed, you can do that by visiting our website, snobwestcast.com, and leaving a comment there. Or you can email us at snobwestcast at gmail.com. Finally, you can definitely support our show and the content that we provide by going to patreon.com slash snobwestcast. And for just $5 a month, you get access to our pre-show content, uh, access to our live show taping, as well as access to our live chat community. Um, And also, if you want to drop us off a love offering, you can do that via PayPal at paypal.me slash snobos. And uh, that is it for this week. We will see you again next week. Bye, everybody. Peace.